Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Again, this is about our fourth uh, entry on this matter of Bible translations, and it may go on for a little while. And if you haven't picked up any of the brochures, there's some on the back table. Let me mention those that are watching online. One of the ladies sent us a check today and said, could, we get, could I get a copy of those little booklets and all those things? We'd be glad to send anybody that, get us your address. Or if you'd like to have them, you can pick them up. Also, the trail of blood on the back table, no cost to you at all. And uh, be sure to, you need the information. You can't make this stuff up. I, when, the more I look at it, and I've been studying this for decades, the more I begin to realize what Satan is really doing. It used to be in a subtle way, but this stuff is just right in your face. I mean, the Bible is being, the, the, um, the word of God is, I, I can't think of the word that I want to use right there because I, I don't want to say the wrong word, but it's, it's unjust what they're doing to, our, to the word of God uh, in this day and hour. And so we're going to keep looking at it a little while longer. If you weren't here uh, when we looked in Acts chapter number 1, I'm going to run over that very quickly and then just look at one point tonight. We have another brochure that I want to pass out, go over a few things on that with you. I actually have with me a 1611. Now this is a, a recopy, a copy actually. It's a 1611 edition. And you come up and look at it. I was going to bring my, I have a 1770 Bible. I was going to bring it, I got it out, and I decided to just leave it at the house tonight. And, uh, but I'll let you look at it sometime so you can tell a little bit about how it looked back then. You can look at this one if you want to, but you can't hurt it. Uh, it's brand new, but it's in the actual print and setup exactly like it was in the original 1611. We'll pass that around here in just a little bit. If you weren't here, I have about 12 copies of the notes from uh, that night, uh, two weeks ago, from Acts cha uh, chapter number 8. Anybody want the notes? Uh, somebody run past some of these out. If you, a couple of you guys just, uh, there's only about uh, 10 of them or so, maybe a dozen of other Jamie wants one. Anybody else, you're welcome to them. It's got room to write out on the outside. Nothing fancy. It's just some of the things that we've been going over. I know we had funerals during that period of time. We had basketball tournaments in that period of time. And I just want to make sure everybody has, and we can get all of them. We can have, a matter of fact, I think we already have it all copied for you, and we'd be glad to share that with you. Let's go over that very quickly. We're in Acts chapter 1. In verse number 8, the Bible said, and most of you know it by heart, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and shall be witnesses unto me both, now look at this, in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in the, uh, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And so how, our question is this, why have an English, why do we need an English Bible? Why do we need an English Bible? Well, that's kind of our uh, kind of precedent that we're working on. Uh, working from making sure that we understand the importance of having a pure copy of the Word of God. And uh, our argument is very simple, that uh, we believe the 1611 being the... I don't have to say I believe it. That don't make it right because I believe it. It's, it's right because it is. And uh, no apologies. And um, the auth authorized version of 1611... 
And that's what we're working from. And of course, we're looking at a lot of the others too. And, um, and so uh, you um, just stay, uh, stay with us if you can. And uh, we'll go over these things. Let's just kind of go over this. Why have an English Bible? We looked at three driving factors. Number one, the advancement of the English language. And we're going to look at that tonight. That's the only point that we have. Number two, the invention uh, of the printing press. Number three, the spreading, the outreach of the Christian church. And I, I showed everybody this, and this is my, one of mo my most prized books that I have. It's, it's a, a history of the world, but it's charted all the way from the Garden of Eden, and it goes year by year, decade by decade, not year by year, but uh, year, uh, decade by decade, millennium by millennium, event by event. It has so many things about the history of the world. And uh, so this is my point. God knew. When Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 was first put in the Word of God, that one day there would be an English-speaking people. And so he's working. He's working behind the scenes uh, and through the ages and in places. And you'll see that. Let me not get ahead of myself. And so those are the three things that we're looking at about the kind of... Um, having to do with how we got the Bible, why we got the Bible. And uh, then we looked at some other interesting events out of this book, uh, the 27 books of the New Testament. Uh, they were given to us from 15, uh, 52 A.D. to 96 A.D. The Bible was divided into chapters in 1227. The Bible, uh, that was done by uh, Sir Pugh. He was a, a French uh, uh, artist and, and writer and poet, and he took, it, uh, he took the Bible and divided it into chapters. It wasn't so originally. The Bible was divided into verses. In 1551, the canon was invented in 1308, not the canon of the scripture. I'm talking about the boom canon. Uh, the clock, 1348, telescope, all these things were being invented as you come through the years. The newspaper, 1536, tobacco was a uh, uh, first used 1492. That's when Columbus got over here. The, and the, Martin Luther, that famous 95 thesis that he uh, nailed to the door of the church, 1517 A.D. John Knox, the great reformer uh, following that period of time. Uh, William Shakespeare, his great works were done in the late 1500s. Galileo, he enhanced the telescope somewhere in the mid-16, uh, somewhere around 1610. Then Columbus discovers America and, uh, in 1492. And then we looked uh, at the third thing that we looked at is that, there's, that there must be a belief in the providence of God. You've got to believe that. You don't have to believe anything else, but you've got to believe that God works in mysterious ways. You've got to understand that tonight. If you don't, you won't, you won't understand the essence of what happened in order for you to have that Bible in your lap tonight or to be looking at these verses up on the screen. You, you won't understand the, the full impact of that if you don't understand that God's got a plan and God's working. And, and it didn't start in 1611. And it didn't start when King James entered the throne. It started decades and even millennials before that time. 
And so there must be a belief in the providence of God. We looked at that. We didn't look at Psalm 139. You go read it, 1, 1 through 16, and you'll see that God knows everything. There's no surprises to him. He's everywhere all the time, and he's working, and he's working. Now, I'm going too fast. Uh, number one, uh, number four, he works, number one, with people. And uh, he works in places. And he works with things, printing presses. And all these things had to fall in place before we could have, up until that time, Bibles were few and far between. They had to be handwritten. And uh, generally, it would take a scribe a lifetime to write one copy of the Word of God. And uh, they were, when, when they were, usually it went to uh, the hierarchy in the churches. They had, it, they had it within the churches. And the bottom line is that if you study a little bit of history along that time, the Catholic Church didn't want anybody to have a Bible. They put up big fights and big arguments about everybody being able to have a Bible uh, in their language. And, uh, but God's working. This is the providence of God. Look at these five things. He's working in people. He's working in people like Johannes uh, Gutenberg. He's working, he's working on continents. He's, he's already working in, in, uh, uh, in, he's working in the German language. He's working in the Latin language. He's, he's, he's building what would become the English language, the old Anglo-Saxon language. He's putting all of these things in place. God's working in people. God's working in places. He's working with things. He's working in time, and God's working in events. And can I say this tonight? He still does. He still does. Those five things right there. God is working in those five areas, and he did it that we might have a Bible. Now, here's, and, and then, of course, uh, he knew. He, he works with these things, and he knew that the English language would be these five things. Number one, the English language would be the most used language in the world. The most, and it is today, the most often used language in the world. Where here in the United States, in our schools, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll study Spanish and Latin and, and, um, and, and French and, and German and some of, those, uh, some of those kind of languages. But the English language is the most taught language in the entire world tonight. I had the numbers on my old list, but I don't have it with me tonight. Number two, now God knew this. God's, God's sovereign and God's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything. He knew. He knew when Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 was written, he knew that one day that one of the major countries in the world would be uh, developed after it had been discovered and uh, eventually it would be uh, an English speaking world and God knew that. He knew it. He knew it way back and, and that's why he said what he said. He said these words. He said uh, unto the uttermost part of the earth when these verses were written the gospel for the most part was confined to just a small area in what we see as Europe now and some of Asia. 
But now it's expanded, it's grown, and from continent to continent, and now the gospel, God knew this, and I, I thought of this a little bit, how did it happen? God knew that there would be wars, and soldiers would be traveling the world carrying the English language. God knew that there would be missionaries, and they'd be traveling the world and carrying the English language to continent after continent, land after land. God knew that there would be manufacturers and countries and, and industries and, and all and, and all of and, and, and ore and all of these things would be going on all over the world and the English language would be scattered from one corner of the earth to the other. God knew that when Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 was written in your Bible. I believe that as much as I'm standing here before you tonight. Probably a little bit more than that. Boy, I love this Bible, don't you? I love the old Bible, the blessed old Bible, a light on my path. I tell you, this book has made a difference in my life. And if you'll go through it, it'll go through you. We don't need to rewrite it. We need to reread it. And so, it would be the most used in the world. It's easiest learned. Sure it is. Statistically proven. It's the easiest spoken. Uh, we talked about some of the other language and... and uh, Mandarin and Chinese and all that, where we have 26 characters in our alphabet, some of those languages have 60 to 70,000 characters in their alphabet. And you've seen them. You've seen them Chinese and, all the, and Russian and some of those other languages. The English language. Not just because that's what we've learned, but it is the easiest. It's the easiest learned. I'm getting to something. It's the easiest spoken. It's the easiest written. And it's the easiest I don't know if easy is the right word, the best maybe to be translated. The Bible has been translated into more foreign languages from the English edition of the scripture than all the other languages in the world combined. God sure is smart, isn't he? And I'm glad I serve him. I'm glad this real. I don't know if this is not real. I don't know if it's not real. I don't know what I'm feeling in my soul. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. Might not mean a thing in the world to you tonight. You might yawn and ho hum through it. But there's a nation and a generation of young people that are coming along that they need to know which Bible God has put His hand on. God has put His power on. Now let me close with this thought tonight. I want to. I want to look at the first thing that we made mention of, the advancement of the English language. This won't take but just a moment to do this, and then we'll look at a couple of other things, and we'll be ready for prayer tonight. And so I mentioned to you the three things, the advancement of the uh, English language, the invent, invention of the printing press, and uh, the spread of the Christian church, the spread of the Christian church, and how it spread all around the world for the most part. But it started, let's go back and look at the first one and, the, and, and one only tonight. We'll look at the other two next week, perhaps. Now, I told you, I'm trying to be very simple. I'm trying to be very practical. I'm trying to be straightforward. But we need to understand that God has preserved his word in this Bible that you and I have before us. That's his promise. That's the promise that God has made. We'll look at it momentarily. The advancement. And uh, well, this was one of the more overwhelming obstacles that had to be overcome. Hundreds of languages were already in effect when the English language, uh, when it finally was derived from several different languages and, and dialects and, and German and several others, some Latin and so on and so forth. 
the English language for the most part is divided into three times. The first one is what is called Old English. If we could get that up on the screen, Old English. And we actually have, uh, it was from 450 A.D. to 1100 A.D., and we actually have some Old English on the screen. Would someone read that for me tonight? I don't have my, my glasses aren't working real well. Can somebody read that? That's Old English. And it's something kind of fed up and it's, it almost tied your tongue. And down at the bottom, something about some kind of common swawa and, and uh, but what we're looking at, and so this is a big obstacle. This is why we didn't have a full, that's why it took all the way to 1611. The English language was in its infancy in the early 1400s in its infancy even though some English Bibles were printed during that time. Several different English Bibles were being printed, at least uh, Old Testaments and some New Testaments. I gave you that list of those recently. And so you, you see that. There's a, there's a sample of the Old English and uh, Sipanama, Gila, Gihalaga, and uh, become pen rice and chew on something, and, uh, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. That's the first part of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter number 6. That's what it looked like. I have, a, I have a, this uh, old, uh, this is written in, um, in the, in the uh, uh, modern, uh, in the uh, mid-English, in, in middle English, this, uh, this copy of that I have up here before. So this was from 450 to 1100. And, um, and so that's the first, that's a, a copy of a, the first part of the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter number 6. The King James was not written in Old English. And then we have what is called Middle English. Middle English is from 1100 to 1450 A.D. You can get these notes from us next week if you want them. And, uh, and, uh, and this would fare no better as far as the um, translation would be concerned. We have another sample there. It might be, if you speak Spanish, some of the words would probably, if you speak Spanish or, or some French or maybe, uh, maybe some Latin, if you, if you know a little bit about some of those, you might be able to pick out a few words along the way there. But this is the first part of Psalms chapter number 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And so once again, we, we're not quite ready but the time's coming. Let's move on to modern English. Modern English in 1450 until now. The, the English language is still advancing. It's still advancing. And uh, back when I was in, uh, back when uh, we were in school, me and Lamar and Brother Wayne and some of us older people, uh, Brother Jamie, all of us down there at Clyteville, and uh, we, uh, you know, if you could, if you could learn seven parts of speech, you could get out of high school back then. You could. I mean, if you, if you could identify a noun, an adverb, an adjective, and so on and so forth. But now I, I have a book at the house, and, and it's, uh, it takes the entire Bible, and every single word in the Bible is, is given a, uh, to its part of speech. And I think there's 106 or 107 different parts of speech that 
is in, the, in, in our English grammar today. Well over 100 parts of speech. And uh, it's transitive, it's intransitive, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. So simple back then, wasn't it? And uh, maybe you better understand why we do so poorly with our English. <laughs> and so let's look at it. It's still evolving, and uh, the King James Bible was one of the first Bibles written in modern English. Some others were written in the Middle English and, uh, and so this is just transpiring. And by the way, it was, it, it was partly the old Eng or the middle English and the modern English. You see a combination of those things. Uh, let's look at two or three things. Number one, the English language is still advancing. It's still advancing. Number two, uh, along the way. I want you to understand about these changes because you might get confused when you look at this Bible and you look at my old 1770 edition uh, when you look at the different ones uh, from time and, and uh, even if you look at some that were written by, uh, they were published by Nelson, some were published by Cambridge and uh, other publishing companies from time to time, you'll see there's generally somewhere in, in the average King James Bible, there'll be somewhere around 200 to 400 different word spellings or something along that line. And then these uh, diacritical marks were added that it might give accent and punctuate a pronunciation and tone and so on and so forth. And then the letters, uh, up until a certain time, the capital, capitalized words, for the most part, there were, the Bible wasn't written in, in, um, in uh, paragraphs and the Bible wasn't written in verses or sentences and so it didn't have punctuations at the end of every sentence. Sometimes it just ran the length of an entire page. But now we have in our Bible, we have the diacritical marks to help us with the pronunciation. We have capitalization for back in, in the early days, it was pretty well up to the publisher or whoever was writing the copies of the Bible. Uh, whatever they wanted to capitalize, they capitalized. And then one of the main things is the change in spellings. We have some examples of that. Uh, the word son, S-O-N, in, the, in the, some of the scripture, it is uh, S-O-N-N-E, I believe it is in this one. Uh, evil had uh, a U in it, E. Uh, I, I know there's uh, some of the coins. My dad used to collect the silver dollars, and he had some of those from the early 1900s, and they would have the T-R-V-S-T, and that was just the old spelling. We thought they were worth a whole lot of money or something. Daddy hung on to them forever. And uh, it was just the other uh, English spelling uh, of, the, of, the, uh, of the words. Uh, the word said in Genesis 48 in verse 18, S-A-I-D-E. In Genesis 48, 19, it is S-A-I-D. In Judges 19 in verse number 8, it is S-A-Y-D. In 1 Samuel 15, 15, it is S-A-Y-D-E. Now, why did you say all that? I want, you to, I want you to think about it for just a moment in uh, <clears throat> what we're really looking at. We've been, we've been, um, we've been using this uh, verse in, uh, in Psalms uh, chapter number 12. You don't have to turn there. God has promised to preserve the words, not the spelling. The words, not the spelling, the punctuation, the capitalization and all those kind of things. I'm thankful that we have all those. But look what he said. 
He said in, in our text, and this is where we jumped off the springboard several weeks ago. Verse number 6 of Psalm 12, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace and purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation and forever. What a promise we have in the King James Bible. Somebody, several of you guys come pass these out really fast. I just want to go over a couple of things on them and then we'll be done for the evening. New pamphlet, several, three or four guys come. Get your hands up if you want one. Thank you. Oh, okay. Anybody else need the copies from last week? You can get those too. I hate to be in such a hurry, but we seem to be that way sometimes. This one is uh, New Bible Versions. I think one of the, let me read this again. Some of you weren't here when I gave the little yellow one out a couple of weeks ago. How many of you got one of the yellow ones? Raise your hand. You got one of these? On the back side of it, I believe it's the, I believe it's the yellow one. On the back side of it, there's a testimony by Dr. Frank Logsdon. And he was a co-founder of the New American Standard Version of the Bible. And you see these for most of them. Here's what he said. Now, he's, he helped... Uh, with the uh, new, new American Standard, he said, I must under God denounce every attachment to the New American Standard Version. I'm afraid I'm in trouble with the Lord. I wrote the format. I wrote the preface. When you see the preface in the New American Standard, those are my words. It's wrong. It's terribly wrong. It's frightfully wrong. The deletions are absolutely frightening. There are so many. Uh, are we so naive that we do not suspect satanic deception in all of this? That's not what I said. That's what he said. Look in the one that I just handed you. If you have them, uh, take them home with you and read them. But I just wanted to highlight a couple of things on these. Once again, you see it's a comparison of the uh, various uh, verses. And uh, the very first one there that it's talking about in the King James, it's... Um, uh, in um, in uh, verse number 24 of uh, Acts, I guess it's in the book of Acts, uh, and Mark, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, verse number 24, the Bible says how hard it is for them that trust riches, for them that trust riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In these other ones, the NASB, uh, the uh, New American Standard Bible, the NIV, the New International Version, uh, the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, the NCV, that's the New Century Version. The NLT, that's the New Living Translation. The CEV, there's hundreds of them. Contemporary English Version, NWT, the New World uh, Translation. And uh, they said how hard it is to enter the kingdom. It is very hard to enter the kingdom. That's not what he said. He said those that are trusting in riches are heaven. It is terribly hard to get into God's kingdom. How difficult a thing it is to enter into his kingdom. Some of these things are doctrinal. Some of these things are doctrinal. I have time to look at all of them tonight. And um, there were two or three of them. Uh, when it goes down, it talks about uh, a sal salvation. Uh, we believe that uh, you're saved. Uh, the moment that you trust Christ as your Savior, uh, these various versions, the new versions, most of them uh, make it a progressive thing. In the King James and 1 Corinthians 1.18, about down near the bottom of the second page, he said, uh, us which are saved. They say, uh, us who are being saved. 
might become saved or turning or being saved. And uh, so much different there. Um, I thought I had marked two or three other things that I wanted to spend a moment on. Um, but anyway, uh, there, there's a, a section on the back side of, uh, about some things that John MacArthur has said about the blood. And uh, that's a whole other issue there. Uh, the blood atonement. Uh, again, this, this deals with uh, theology and Bible doctrine, the new, version, new versions, Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says, the King James Bible says, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness. That's a lot of difference. Revelation 1.5, freed us, uh, the new versions, freed us from our sins by his blood. The NIV uh, released us from our sins by his blood. The Bible said in Revelation 1.5, he washed us from our sins in his own blood. John 1.7 is another example of that, uh, dealing with the blood. And there was one of them that was just so telling. I don't remember which one it was now. I thought I had it marked. But anyway, uh, you, you can... Uh, you can take it home and look them over and, um, and see what you think about it, okay? Make sure that you have at least the three of them. Uh, we have two on the back table that we've given out, and this one tonight. We still have others that we'll be sharing with you along the way. If anybody needs extra copies, we have them up here, and you'll be more than welcome to them. I'll lay this uh, Bible down here on the front if you want to look at some of the verses in it. I think we've uh, pretty well covered it tonight. Don't go away with it, okay? That's mine and only mine. And why we have, why have an English Bible? Why must we have an English Bible? Let's come forward, those that will, and pray tonight. The musicians are coming. If you need to pray, you just make your way to the front, and we'd be glad to have a, t a season of prayer uh, together with you tonight. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. And Lord, we know that, uh, that there's an onslaught a battle against this book that we cherish and Lord that we love Lord sometimes it's a battle that people don't want to enter into but I think that we as your people should stand for truth and right and I know your word can stand by itself it doesn't need us to prop it up Lord, help us to understand and know what you're doing. Lord, we could be like 70 or so languages in the world, not even have a copy of the Bible tonight. Not one copy in our community, much less in our home. Lord, you have blessed our people, you've blessed our land, you've blessed our nation to be the greatest missionary outreach in the history of the world. Lord, thank you that we have your word to go on. Bless and have your way as we go through these studies. Lord, give us understanding 
educate us in your truths. I'm always amazed when I see what you've done. When I take a moment to examine it, look at it, not just take it for granted, but to see what all you've done, that I might have a copy of the scripture in my language, that I can read it when I go home tonight, read it when I get up in the morning, bring it to church with me. Lord, help us to be grateful, help us to be thankful. Help us to do our best to share that others might have the scripture in their language. And we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Some still pray.